Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners for Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. And welcome back to this week's episode of the Security Token Show. I'm your host, Kyle Sondlin, and I've got Herbert Konings, as always, my business partner and co-host here. And we're in sunny Miami, Florida. We're talking about investment banking and blockchain, specifically security tokens and everything going on in the industry. But before we dive into what is a really interesting episode this week covering JP Morgan and all the investment banking moves that they've been making in the blockchain space, as well as a whole host of amazing top five news, as well as industry events and changes going on throughout the entire world of blockchain and investments, we have to talk about our sponsor. And that week, this week is Opulus. Opulus is a blockchain music NFT platform as well as DeFi collateralized lending. Those are a lot of buzzwords, but basically what Opulus is doing is they're helping artists issue compliant assets that others can invest in for royalties and amazing things that are going on in the music NFT space, but doing it in a compliant way and embracing securities laws. They've they've made headlines with doing this with multiple other artists, including an interesting announcement coming later in our top five. So for that, thank you, Opulus, for being the sponsor this week. Absolutely. Go check out Opulus and thank them for making this show possible. We wouldn't be here without it. And with that, let's get into the show, starting off with the top five things you need to know. Starting off with the number one most important thing you need to know right now, there is a huge update on the NFT scandal we heard, was it last year? Uh, yeah, I think it was like September, October. Oh my of, God, of it was last year. Now everyone thought this was swept under the rug. OpenSea had become the number one NFT marketplace doing crazy amounts of volume. And one thing everybody knew was those homepage features mm. were valuable. And one employee took advantage of it, trying to hide their tracks, but ultimately getting caught by the community, actually placing and buying these NFTs from the front page with secret access, insider insider trading, insider trading, if you will, in order to basically make a profit on this information. And of course, chief product officer, yeah, chief product officer, which is why he had this privilege. And in fact, they, he was caught by the community and fired from OpenSea shortly afterwards, and everyone thought, oh, that's it. Not so. No. In fact, Justice Department is here to serve, folks. Uh-oh. Two counts, wire fraud and money laundering, each serving potentially up to 20 years in prison uh, against Nate Chastain, who is the individual that we are discussing here. So. Let it be known, folks, you cannot go around doing NFT insider trading. Yeah, you may wonder why they were able to catch them on some of these things, because they're not securities and we can avoid laws by just trying to forget about security. No, that's not how it works. The CFTC has precedent in pursuing money laundering as well as insider trading as in the exact terminology in the past around commodities markets. And this is another example of them stepping in. So just because you think that you're safe operating in the gray area, sorry, Nate, not this time. Hope those crypto profits were worth it. Moving to number two, we have the Central Bank of Singapore and their operation or Project Guardian, as they're calling it, where they're actually fully exploring leveraging DeFi 
for banking and collateralized lending. They're going to be building it on Ethereum and exploring public blockchains, which is really cool to see. And they're doing it in partnership with JP Morgan. Surprise, surprise, as they are the leading U.S. bank in tokenization efforts. So another step forward for them. And as I said, the first step is going to be using smart contracts to tokenize bonds, which is a security token. So pretty, pretty cool stuff. In fact, I want to go as far as to call out the press release that they put out because, folks, this is not DeFi. This is security tokens, and they're calling it the wrong thing. But I love the fact that they're going after it. So good on you, uh, the Singapore Central Bank, folks. That's a big deal. And of course, JPM. Singapore continues to be a hotbed for innovation. Number three, Vortex and QR Capital have partnered up to launch Tokenizadora, which is the Brazil's first securities-licensed crowdfunding tokenization exchange. Uh, This is a really, really big deal. Uh, At the end of the day, there have been some few uh, Brazilian STOs, but through traditional banks, uh, BTG Pactual, specifically one of the largest investment banks, has been pretty active but no such marketplace to go to where to trade them. Now we've got the first one approved, backed by the government. Token is Adora, congratulations. Welcome to the market. On the Hathor blockchain. Hathor blockchain. Hathor blockchain, never heard of it, but big win for that community as well. And number four, we have the Philippines going for a peso launch. They were doing a peso bond offering of over a billion peso or dollars worth of pesos or or pesos, $209 million, excuse me. And so they're talking about $209 million raised 11 times oversubscribed what they were expecting. So that's crazy. They were trying to raise, what, $20 million worth of of these bonds? And they actually overraised over $200 million. And so these bonds are tokenized. They are on-chain vehicles. They are going to be interoperable with the traditional bond infrastructure, which makes sense. You need to make sure that that the traditional structures still work. But they're using the Singapore, surprise, surprise, based firm Stacks for the technology. And then their standard chartered HSBC and Citi were also involved in this process. This fundraise is actually to acquire a part of Citi's banking infrastructure as well. So they had no surplus, or they certainly had a surplus of investment into this debt offering. And very cool to see the Philippines government succeeding in this regard. Absolutely huge move, especially because we only announced it last week, I think, the fact (laughs) that they were planning to launch these offerings. And just like that, major, major success. Awesome stuff. And last Last but not least, number five, Opulus, who, if you remember in episode 141, announced the concept of MFTs with an M. That stands for Music Functional Tokens because they're enabling security tokens associated with artists and musicians. And this is cool because they've officially announced their first album sale with Kyle. No, not Kyle here. Kyle Harvey is very famous Uh, artist. And that's a huge news because there's been a couple of plays like this. We know there's Royal and others, but Opulus is now finally doing it with an artist, the security token way. So we're fully behind it. Congratulations. He's tokenizing his full album, which had over 7 million streams just in week one alone. The artist himself, Kyle, has 2 billion lifetime streams. This is a pretty serious artist. And you know what I love most about this deal, Herwig? is that unlike what we've seen with some of the other examples of music royalties being offered as investments, he's offering 27.5% 
of the royalties. This is actually a decent investment from a structure perspective. Obviously, this is not financial advice, but he's offering a whole lot more of the royalties than what we've seen from others, and I think that's more fair, which I think is exciting to see for fans of his music. Wholeheartedly agree. Welcome MFTs to the industry. And with that, let's head on over to John Pittman and get the rest of the industry news. John Pittman, Token Advisor, here with Industry News. Starting in my home state of Texas, we have a federal judge kicking a lawsuit to arbitration. So a Tel Aviv-based investor has filed a lawsuit claiming the gambling site Lottery.com tricked her into converting her $3 million investment into a digital security token that have only paid out $802 in royalties. The claimant, Varda Bernstein, filed this lawsuit back in September, alleging she was fraudulently induced to convert the $3 million she invested in the form of a promissory note into so-called digital securities that would earn a share of the revenue generated by a mobile raffle platform run by Auto Lotto. Her suit claims that Autolotto deceived her because a $3 million note was set to convert to equity before it could be repaid, and Autolotto did not want to add her as a shareholder. Unfortunately, Bernstein signed a subscription agreement with a valid arbitration clause when she converted her investment. But the judge entered the order with a recommendation that the court could have potentially heard Bernstein's case had she challenged the arbitration clause itself instead of the whole subscription agreement. Okay, next up, we have another lawsuit. Block and Leviton is investigating whether Digital Turbine Incorporated committed a securities law violation and may file an action to attempt to recover losses on behalf of investors. What happened was, on May 17th of this year, Digital Turbine announced that it will restate its financial statements for the interim periods ending in June 30th, 2021, September 30th, 2021, and December 31st, 2021, following a review of the presentation of revenue net of license fees and revenue share for the company's recently acquired businesses. Shares fell 7% in intraday trading the very next day. Then on May 31st, 2022, after the market closed, Digital Turbine released financial results for the quarter ending in March 31st, 2022, in which the company delayed filing the annual report due to the identification of material weaknesses in its internal controls over financial reporting. Shares of Digital Turbine stock dropped more than 20% in intraday trading the very next day. So what does that mean? Anyone who purchased Digital Turbine Incorporated stock has lost money, may be eligible for compensation, whether or not they have sold their investments. So in that case, investors should contact Block and Leviton to learn more. Across the globe, we have some news. So the Philippines Securities Regulator has once again halted a digital asset-themed investment project on allegations of fraud. The Security and Exchange Commission, SEC, issued the order against AstraZion Global Holdings. It also issued a ruling against the orchestrators of the scheme. AstraZion has allegedly been offering its native digital currency, AZNT, token through an illegal multi-level marketing platform. Aside from its speculative value, AstraZion claimed that AZNT could earn passive income by holding it as well as direct referral income distribution. The SEC determined that the company has been engaging in the sale of securities in the form of investment contracts. And while its three subsidiaries are registered corporations, none of them have secured a secondary license to issue securities or act as a broker-dealer. Moving on, we have Bitfinex Securities appointing Jesse Nutton as head of operations and will be responsible for expanding the platform's issuance pipeline, oversee distribution, and to build out his user base and work with regulators. His experience actually includes serving as vice president of financial products at Blockstream. The Blockstream minor note was actually the debut offering for Bitfinex Securities earlier this year. And last up, we have Levelfield, a financial services firm selecting technology provider Medico to deploy its institutional digital asset management operations on IBM Cloud. Under this partnership, the firm will be able to leverage the confidential computing capabilities of IBM's digital asset infrastructure with the option to further expand the digital asset offering in the future beyond the foundational infrastructure. This allows 
custodians, including Levelfield, to scale to billions of wallets while maintaining control over private keys for risk management. That's it for me on the Meg with the weekly STO updates. We'll catch you guys next week on the other side of the blockchain. Welcome back, tokenizers, and happy Monday. We have three updates this week, so let's get right into it. First up, Opulus and artist Kyle dropped the first ever full album MFT sale. This will be the first ever full album MFT sale as a security offering. MFT stands for Music Fungible Token. MFTs differ from other tokens like NFTs. The term MFT was coined exclusively by Opulus since they offer tokens tailored to the music industry that represent shares in music copyright royalties. Each MFT is SEC compliant, which allows them to offer fractional ownership to music fans and investors. Investors will earn royalties from not just one, but all 12 tracks on the album. Kyle is a newly independent artist who recently separated from his record label in pursuit of complete creative control of his work. More and more artists will hopefully realize the value that this industry can offer from gaining creative control to gaining monetary control of their projects back as well. Next up, we have news from STO exchange ERX. They have begun distributing rental income to Siri Hub token holders. Siri Hub is a real estate backed token that produces revenue generated by rental income of the underlying asset, which is a $73 million real estate project. Furthermore, ERX is a Tezos-based exchange. Created by Elevated Returns, it is specifically designed to trade security token offerings. Now, a bit more on ERX. The exchange will have a utility token called ER-X. This utility token will allow users to get discounts on transaction fees on the exchange. ER-X tokens will be launched on Tezos. These are solely utility tokens. This means that the tokens are not security tokens and they will be trading on multiple exchanges. The supply of ERX will be capped and there will be a presale. For more information, head over to alexablockchain.com or erx.io. Finally, we have securities.io who released their listicle covering the top 10 digital securities to keep an eye on. This list was recently updated at the end of May, 2022. Now this is an opinion piece, but the top five names of include Blockchain Capital, Spice VC, Millennium Sapphire, INX, Limited, and Exodus. For the full list and details on each spot, head over to securities.io. That is all for this week. Now I'm gonna send you over to the world traveler and tokenizer, Sam Sachs, for an electric market update. Hello and happy Monday. Welcome to June. The market is down over 13% to $14.4 billion as macro concerns continue to plague all major markets. Led by a negra's decline, few names in the industry are catching a bid and is resulting in a freefall overall. Many eyeballs are likely going to be on the space in the coming weeks, however, as NFT traders are under enhanced scrutiny. Nathaniel Chaston has been charged with wire fraud and money laundering in connection with the scheme to commit insider trading in non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, by using confidential information about what NFTs were going to be featured on OpenSea's homepage for his own personal financial gain. Chastain can potentially be locked up for up to 20 years. And this is likely just the beginning of a crackdown on NFTs as many are undoubtedly unlicensed securities. Enter security tokens. They are fully compliant and up to the code necessary to pass the SEC scrutiny without any worries at all. In time, many of the top operators in the industry are undoubtedly going to be leveraging the power of security tokens to crowdfund for their projects. 
If security token industry was a house, it's clear that we have barely set the concrete for the basement. Even in a down market, it's clear that a world where security tokens are omnipresent is inevitable, and more and more cases like what happened to Chastain are coming about. That's all for now, but have an amazing rest of your week, and I will see you next Monday. Wakey wakey, welcome to Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Van Call. Kanye West, after just a few months ago saying he would not get into NFTs, has well gotten into NFTs. With the trademark filing for his brand Yeezus for blockchain-based cryptocurrencies and non-fungible tokens. Next, we have Dentistry inside the metaverse. A UK dentistry chain called the Dental Design Studio has jumped inside the metaverse not to get virtual dental work done, but for branding purposes. They have over 15 chains across the UK and a lot of the potential at being the first dental practice inside the metaverse is so appealing to them. In the metaverse experience, patients can sit inside a dental chair, enjoy virtual treatment, talk to staff, and watch gentle hygiene videos. Moving forward, children's clothing brand Balabala is entering the metaverse with an interesting spin. They have added a digital brand ambassador who is not even human. They are hoping to create a new communication window with Gen Z and while at the same time enhancing its multi-channel strategy. Over in the Sandbox Metaverse, they are hoping to bring diversity to its experience by hosting a digital pride celebration with major brands joining in. They're adding more avatars to its lot, representing the 83.4% majority, calling it the most diverse avatar collection to date. That was Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Van Kohl. Thank you, Eves, and the rest of the news team for all of that amazing information about what's happening in the space. Now, we've got our favorite section, I think, Companies of the Week. If you're new to the show, this is where Kyle and I, we each pick a company that we thought made the biggest moves in the space last week, so it's a bit of a heated interest. Kyle, who did you pick for this week? Well, Herwig, you know that I love secondary market trading. I love driving liquidity and, and the ideas around a lot of these financial mechanisms. I do so that, yeah. in, in, on brand for me, I'd say, my company of the week is Vortex Token Itzadora who is the first Brazilian security token exchange. They're gonna be focusing on close-end funds for their launch, as well as some credit swaps and things like that. They're also gonna be exploring from a fixed income perspective, but they are based in Brazil. It's Latin America's first security token exchange. They note all over their website that a token could be real estate, it could be equity, and, and many other things, which makes me suggest that certainly in the future, they'll be open to doing things like that. This is a joint venture between a firm that owns Vortex as well as QR Capital, and they are going to be launching this platform, which is fully regulated in Brazil's jurisdiction. I think this is fantastic news. The more exchanges we can get in the industry covering the map, of all different types of investors and jurisdictions is paramount to building a global financial system. And so for that, Vortex Token Itzadora is my company of the week. Wholeheartedly agree with all of that, Kyle. Brazil first, another marketplace, more security tokens coming to the industry. Mm -hmm. Naturally a great choice. And you? Well, I think you'll love my choice too based on what you just said. Elevated Returns mm. Exchange, ERX. You're my company of the week and let me tell you why. For those of you who don't know, Elevated Returns is the firm behind the St. Regis Aspen token that's tokenized on T0, if you've heard of that. But they actually have an exchange as well outside the country where they're continuing to work with a bunch of different offerings, including one called Siri Hub, 
which if you saw the episode earlier, you remember that they had done a dividend over to over 7,000 people uh, that are token holders through the ERX platform in Syria Hub, which is a real estate uh, based token. And I think that's pretty darn awesome. They've got over 10,000 users already on the platform. 7,000 of them are token holders. Wow. And we expect ERX with a huge real estate pipeline uh, with the owner, Stephane DeBates, uh, that we expect a lot more tokens to be coming. And I'm glad to see that they're already utilizing the full value of the blockchain from trading to dividends being paid out. And of course, accessing new investment opportunities on chain digitally. And for that reason, ERX is my company of the week, Kyle. Elevated Returns has been a consistent leader in the industry for years. Congratulations for a well-deserved win. And with that, I think we can head right into the main topic. JP Morgan, the second largest bank in the United States. Bet you didn't know that they're also the largest when it comes to tokenization. We all know Wall Street is not necessarily too fond of blockchain and crypto technology, but that's actually not quite the case. In this case, today, in our main topic, we're going to break down why we believe JP Morgan is the leader when it comes to tokenization. In typical Wall Street fashion, you've got these investment banks that are constantly competing against each other and they're, they're rife with misinformation, dropping in hints here or there that they think Bitcoin's illegal or on the other side that it's gonna be game-changing and you never quite know where their stance is on new technology, but you better believe that if there's a financial opportunity in any new emerging technology, that JP Morgan and many of the other investment banks, certainly here in the US as well as internationally, are going to be on top of it. We've covered many of them in the past here on the show, as well as we have blog articles that detail some of the developments in the banking industry, as well as CBDCs and other initiatives that governments and regulators are working on. But this is pretty fascinating because, as you said, Herwig, JP Morgan has by far and away the most initiatives in the blockchain space. And this has been dating back for a long time. So maybe the best way to start is let's go from the beginning and figure out what maybe spurned this and where were their first initiatives and how that's progressed over the years. Well said, Kyle. I'm happy to give a, a timeline and walk you through why we believe JPM is number one. And we do have articles on our blog. You can go check them out. The top 100 uh, biggest banks, what are they doing in blockchain? What are all the central banks doing? I'll tell you, mostly just exploring, trying things out, researching. And that's where JPM started back in 2016 when they established the Onyx Group, which is their blockchain uh, division within JPM. And they, of course, focused on launching their own blockchain first, right? And mm -hmm. if you've ever heard of the Quorum uh, blockchain, which is uh, based on Ethereum, uh, that is the blockchain protocol that the Onyx group within JPM created. Is it kind of like Hyperledger with IBM, something similar? Correct, maybe? exactly. Something very similar so that they could start developing the real financial applications on top, which is exactly what we did. We're going to walk through a number of them today. Mm. We've announced that they have a massive, multiple hundreds of billion dollars repo program, repurchase agreements. We recently announced the first tokenized uh, money markets funds. They have the tokenized collateral network. They have mm. JPM coin. All these things we're going to break down for you. They slowly uh, released those and built those on the Onyx platform. And the last thing that you should know that's very material is that JP Morgan actually ended up selling the Quorum technology to Consensus. Consensus being one of the major, major players in the crypto industry. They're behind MetaMask. There are many other uh, services, CodeFi is helping tokenize municipal bonds. 
And uh, notably, the co-founder of uh, Consensus is also one of the co-founders of Ethereum itself. So JP Morgan felt that this was a good right. fit, a good partner right. to take over this technology because at the end of the day, they are an investment bank. They're focused on the programs that we're going to break down to you today while Consensus can nurture the technology. And they didn't want to miss out because they actually ended up investing $50 million into Consensus on top of that so that they also have a piece of the action no matter what happens to Quorum. So let's get this straight. So Onyx is kind of their launch pad or whatever that you could, they spun up internally maybe that, that has grown as they've added more Correct. employees to it. Right, okay, so. And services too. Exactly right, okay. So the inside of the Onyx ecosystem, we have a few different pieces here. And so as you mentioned, we've got Quorum. And so with JP Morgan or really with any institution that has sensitive financial data, they want to keep that private because they don't want to share that with everyone else in their industry. And certainly they don't want to share the initial test net version, which could be compromised or hacked. Maybe at some point in the future, transparency is a good thing, but maybe not when you're trying to get it off the ground and getting taken advantage of. Right? And historically, we've shown that synonymity, not anonymity, right. can be found out with enough data behind it. So your point here is clear. From your point here is clear. JP Morgan didn't want to use a public blockchain because of the data privacy concerns. However, it seems like they very quickly realized that building your own blockchain ain't easy. And so they looks to be that and we don't necessarily have a paper trail of how the relationship between Consensus and JP Morgan continued to develop. But it does seem like at some point they realized, hey, you know what, maybe we need to bring in an, uh, an architecture firm like Consensus with dozens or hundreds of initiatives on the Ethereum blockchain, which, as you mentioned, Quorum was kind of a spinoff or a fork of, if you will. And they said, look, we're going to need some help with that. The, the relationship engaged to the point where they actually decided to give consensus or sell off those assets of Quorum to consensus, and then also made a subsequent investment in consensus to help the development, presumably, of the Quorum blockchain, among other applications. We know that MetaMask is one of the largest wallets, maybe the largest wallet that's used for the Ethereum blockchain, and that also is owned by consensus. So there are other assets consensus owns that presumably were interesting to JP Morgan. But let's talk about some of the other applications inside of Onyx that JP Morgan is still very actively moving forward with. The first one I want to go into, Herwig, is Onyx Digital Assets. And so this is their tokenization platform for oh, yeah. real assets. So they have this. This is fully live on their website. They have a full landing page breaking down the fact that Onyx Digital Assets exists, A. B is in partnership with Siemens, which is a large, reputable financial services firm, and it's public blockchain rails with a goal specifically of 24-7 network of tokenized asset transactions. So they are not only trying to, you know, a lot of this is kind of blockchain integration as well as the financial services and, and supporting both of those things, but 24-7 markets, people, we've been talking about it for a while. JP Morgan also clearly recognizes the benefits of that, but also, as we've said, it's impossible or impractical to do in a manual system. If you're gonna have a 24 seven network, you need to be using blockchain based rails to automate this process so that you don't need your investment bankers working 24 seven because that's just not gonna happen. No, no, it's absolutely worth mentioning that again, this is not uh, feasible or, or theoretical. 
This is happening right now on the Onyx Digital Assets platform. There is a repo program, repurchase agreements, a massive industry. Well, to date, $300 billion of it uh, has traded on this platform. So that is no small number at all. This is real traders, real institutions, leveraging JPM's Onyx services for tokenizing uh, assets across mm -hmm. the board. We, yeah. we talked recently about the first tokenized Money Markets Fund, uh, which is another big deal to be able to say, look here, we see JPM's Onyx Group bringing in new use cases for tokenizing specific, you can tell, really specific trade agreements, really specific investment products, and then building a, a, a whole network around it. And I think that that's the key is that with, with what it seems like the theme is with a lot of these investment banks, and I think that if you're outside of the investment banking industry, this sometimes is less clear, but a lot of the job of investment banks is operating with extreme technical precision on how they structure these financial agreements. So there's all kinds of crazy nuance that goes into the contracts that they set up. That's exactly where blockchain benefits their services because they can just programmatically enforce the different pieces that they build as opposed to having people that their little job is to review what triggers need to be pulled and what responsibilities need to get done in order to execute a contract appropriately. And so with a lot of these money market funds, with a lot of these re repos, these are exactly the type of products that JP Morgan will see the higher end of the benefits on settlement and clearing. We talk about the you know three to five percent numbers and things like that. When you're talking about those five percent numbers, it's probably from some of those really complex structures that are just difficult to execute, difficult to understand what's going on, and certainly difficult to keep track of when you've got thousands of products that are being issued. Anyone can slip through the cracks, which can cause serious material problems for the bank that they see fines for yearly. And your counterparties are not just Joe and Sally or your average Joe Schmo. We're talking about other big institutions, <laughs> other big banks, government makes or governments that are, are involved in this. So you know everything needs to be great. So again, Onyx, blockchain, digital assets, it's happening right now. I think another one that maybe more people are familiar with is JPM coin. <laughs> the same stable coin concept, right? The idea that we can use blockchain, tie it to a digital dollar, and now we have tokenized dollars, stable coin, if you will, to use within the ecosystem. And we know how critical stable coins are to tokenized platforms. In order to be able to do all these on-chain transactions, JPM coin was a critical component, is still to this day a critical component uh, to this whole infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you look at that 300 number, you said 300 billion for the repos. JPM coin has been in circulation now since February 2021. So we've had a healthy 12 or 18 months now of it being existing. And that also has $300 million worth of transactions internally. So think of it kind of like Ripple or some of these other bank to bank transfer currencies, except as we've talked about, certainly in the office all the time, and maybe even here on the show, JPM would probably argue they'd rather use their internal transactional currency than a third-party one. And so they've built their own transactional currency, JPM coin, that they've been using, and it's been very successful for them in their settlement process. In fact, you know, I was just perusing their website, and if I think I remember correctly, thanks to, again, JPM coin, the Onyx uh, infrastructure Actually, JPM won uh, a hackathon for SWIFT, specifically for SWIFT transactions. Uh, so clearly blockchain is mm. coming. They are figuring out JPM is clearly on the forefront 
of leveraging this technology and doing it, like you said, with tactical precision to bring this to market, work with the right players and the right partners. And a lot of it, probably you've never even heard of. It's happening behind the scenes or it's getting very little attention from the press. There's also some other initiatives like Link, L-I-I-N-K, so two I's there. That's gonna be similar to what you've seen from decentralized blockchain oracles with regards to the data that's being collected here. There's a lot of on-chain information that can be collected around how long these processes take, how they're being operated, where the leverage is coming from, and being able to pinpoint that information not only exactly, but permanently and immutably on chain, and then being able to use that information to make automated conclusions and add more layers of complexity on top while still having transparency all the way through into the root cause. So they've built out their own link information platform. They've got their TCN, their tokenized collateral network, which is leveraging collateralization for assets. We've seen Figure and others do HELOCs and other collateralized lending opportunities, which culminates in Project Guardian, which we covered in our top five, where the Singapore Central Bank is working directly with JP Morgan to launch DeFi lending and tokenized bonds, leveraging collateralization and smart contracts, which presumably uses a lot of the proprietary tech that Onyx has, the Onyx Group has built with TCN as well. So they've got a whole lot. That doesn't even mention Quorum and Consensus and the fact that they led that investment round in Consensus, and they certainly have been deploying capital into other venture investments JPM is really covering the board. As you can see, the Onyx Group over the last six years has been busy developing out an entire in-house infrastructure that they can manage in partnership now with Consensus to support the technology end of it. So take our word for it. They are doing big things. JPM is the leader in tokenization. And if you don't think so, let us know why. Or if you have questions or feedback, tell us. We're available on social media. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're everywhere. Uh, Hit us up. And of course, check out stomarket.com. You can get all the latest trading information, all the latest news, all the latest STOs, everything you need to know, security tokens, all in one place. Like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. We're now verified, by the way, which is pretty dope. And make sure you share it with anybody that you know that works in finance, investment, banking. Do they work for JP Morgan? Maybe they'd be interested in hearing more. Do they not work for JP Morgan? Maybe they'd be interested in hearing more and leading their own initiatives in some of these strategic places. That's right. If you've got hot tips, STO market dot com slash news submit it there and we'll be sure to cover it on the show and with that we will catch you next monday happy tokenizing